Father, tune our ears to hear your voice. Soften our hearts to respond to your conviction. Give us grace and peace in your Holy Spirit. Speak through me and in some small way, equip your people for life in the kingdom. Amen. From Isaiah 1, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I can't bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They've become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. About a year ago, I got hooked on the AMC show Breaking Bad via Netflix. The show is a critically acclaimed drama about a high school chemistry teacher named Walter White who lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. At the beginning of the show, he discovers that he has inoperable lung cancer and he doesn't have much time left. And so he does what any person in their right mind with a chronic illness would do. He starts cooking meth. Of course, with one of his former high school students. And the reason, at least initially, is honorable, if there is an honorable reason. It's because he wants to secure his family's financial future so that they won't have to live in poverty after he passes away. It's a very dark show, mind you. And I'm not sure I could recommend it to anyone because of that. That's my disclaimer and my cover your rear end caveat pastorally. Uh, But the part that is so gripping to me is the character of Walter White, this guy. Somehow he is both likable and despicable. He loves his family. He's a devoted father. He wants to do right by them. But on the other hand, he's a drug maker. He's he's highly dangerous. Throughout the course of the show, you get to witness how by a series of decisions, a person grows darker and darker, more and more evil. It's the kind of thing that's so sobering and terrifying that instead of looking away, you really are kind of latched on and locked in to the side of it. 
Walter White really is the epitome of a hypocrite, particularly because his family has no idea what he's up to. They think he's laying low, he's depressed, he's mourning the loss of the last quarter of his life. All the while, he's out making drugs, running from gangsters and blowing stuff up. He shows up for dinner and the family thinks he's just had an ordinary day and they have no idea the kind of stuff that he's been into. And he works really hard to perpetuate this lie. He's one person with his family. He's another when he's with his drugs. You can even see it in his face. That's the bad Walter Wink. That's the at one point in the show, even he gives himself another name. Because it kind of reflects that he's becoming two persons. He's a divided individual. In our text in Isaiah, the prophet is basically accusing Israel of being Walter White. During the day, they go to the temple, they worship, they praise God, and they act like everything is okay. But at night, they cheat people, they take advantage of the poor, and they seek to secure their own financial future through unethical means. The people of Israel are hypocrites. They pretend like they're good church-going folk, but they really live like they're enemies of God. And it's not just Israel in the 8th century either. This problem spans the spectrum of human history. Adam and Eve in the creation story, they were supposed to live within God's boundaries, but they didn't. They hid from God and then they lied about what they did. Judas posed as a a disciple of Jesus by day, but at night he accepted money and made deals with the religious establishment to reveal the whereabouts of Jesus so they could arrest and crucify him. Paul wrote to Christians in Corinth who were having sex with temple prostitutes at the temple of Diana on the way to church. One man in particular was sleeping with his wife's mom and pretending that everything was fine. I mean, that's like reality TV show stuff. The spirit of Walter White has been around for a long time. I am not a terribly courteous driver. I like to speed. Sometimes I cut people off. Sometimes I get the road rage and yell at people from the confines of my vehicle. And I've always kind of scoffed at people who had religious symbols stickered on their cars. I would never put one of those on my car. I tell myself, (laughs) you want to know the real reason? You can guess the real reason. Sometimes I don't act like a Christian when I drive. I wouldn't want anyone to get confused or blame the the cause of Christ because someone with a little ichthus fish cut them off or yelled at them from their car. I would prefer to keep those two parts of my life at a distance from each other. Hypocrisy. It turns out that Walter White is a part of me, too. David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons wrote this book called Unchristian. And it outlines perceptions that non-Christians, particularly young ones, have of Christians and church. And at the top of the list is hypocrisy. Saying one thing and acting differently. And these aren't accusations lobbed unjustly from the outside. These are from insiders who they lived on the inside for a while and tried it and found it lacking. They interviewed one 24-year-old woman, Victoria, who said this. Everyone in my church gave me advice about how to raise my son. But a lot of the time they seem to be reminding me that I have no husband. 
And besides, most of them were not following their own advice. It made it hard to care what they said. They weren't practicing what they preached. Victoria is no longer part of a church. Kenneman and Lyons describe. The truth is that Walter White is a part of all of us. That's why Breaking Bad resonates so much. All of us are a mix of good and bad. All of us are tempted to keep those sides in separate airtight compartments. All of us are tempted at the very least to downplay or hide that dark side of ourselves. Here's a question for discussion, and I really mean it. Please contribute. What are possible sources of hypocrisy for those of us who are part of Storyline? Feel free to talk about other people. Isn't this a feel-good kind of question? So not uh, showing up, but not carrying a load. Okay. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. Anybody else? I think it's possible to be involved in justice issues as a group. And yet, as an individual, when I have opportunity to serve at this particular moment in the audience is looking, I turn my back on it. I think that's very easy for all of us to do. Right on. One possibility, I see this in myself, um, and this applies to all different kinds of people, but to act one way in front of people, uh, to talk about, to esteem people in a certain way, um, and then when we're not around them, to act differently, to talk differently about them, um, to keep our cards held within when we feel more comfortable, and to laugh or to poke fun, you know, that kind of the, the Christian bias is gossip or whatever, but I see that rearing its head certainly in me. And I think that's a popular one sometimes. One more? Anybody? I'd say being uh, uh, being a small church, you know, we're trying to do a certain thing and send a certain message by doing that. And uh, there's, certain, there's a certain snideness towards big, big churches. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes I think, you know, we might feel that there's a superficiality there. Yeah, sometimes we might fall to that exact same routine that we see at a, a larger official church. Yeah. Kind of just playing at church um, or or becoming the same things that we want to be different than. Yeah. Right on. I have wondered why it's so appealing 
to live a divided life, uh, to engage in hypocrisy for me or anybody. One big reason that reared its head as I was reflecting, we like options. We like contingency plans. We want to have our cake and also be able to eat it too. If our big goal is to make sure our future is secure so that things that happen to us out there when they happen to us in whatever way we define it, we want to make sure that we can do that at the end of the day. God's way is maybe one way of getting us at that. But what if God's way doesn't work out? Uh, perhaps we should be prepared for that. And so we put some allegiance out there to other things that might secure our future if God doesn't come through for us. In financial management, they tell us not to put all of our eggs in one basket, right? To diversify your portfolio. It's too risky to entrust your future to one option. So we've got to hold out and go with the option that comes through the most. And I think sometimes we treat our relationship with God like that. We have an egg in his basket, but other eggs in other baskets, too. You know, just in case there's just one thing. It doesn't work that way with God. Not putting all your eggs in God's basket is called idolatry. It's called sin. It's called hypocrisy. Sin and hypocrisy is like trying to sail With holes in the sails. You can't catch the wind of the spirit very well that way. Sin and hypocrisy is like having a clot in your bloodline. The lifeblood of the Holy Spirit can't flow very well if there's something blocking the line. Sin and hypocrisy is like having clogged ears. We can't hear from God very well if our ears are stopped up by sin or a pencil. Google images, baby. Jen Hatmaker says, We often want God's blessings, but are unwilling to sell out to Him. Sin ruins everything. In verses 17 to 20 of Isaiah 1, God offers a way forward through our sin and hypocrisy. He says, Learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, please the, plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They're the, though they're as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. This text highlights both God's part and our part in dealing with our hypocrisy and sin. God's part is forgiveness and cleansing. He washes our sins away. He makes us white as snow. He makes our sin like wool. He cleans us. As followers of Jesus, the way he does this is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. In Jesus, God absorbs our brokenness. He absorbs the filth of our sin And takes the consequences on in himself so that we don't have to. Our part uh, in a word is repentance. And that's a real religious word. So let me break it down. One teacher defines repentance like this. um, Confession plus contrition plus change. So confession is telling the whole truth about myself. 
Contrition is having a change of heart. It is desiring not to do it again. And change is actually doing something different. In Isaiah's words, it's doing right, seeking justice, defending the oppressed, being willing and obedient. My friend Jared Robinson observes that sometimes we don't share the truth about ourselves because, well, we are afraid that when we tell other people the truth about ourselves, they'll treat us differently or it'll change the relationship. Right. They'll stop accepting us because sometimes that's happened. Probably all of us have told somebody the truth about ourselves and it is it has made the relationship different. It's for for worse, not for better. What is great about God's love is that he promises that nothing we share will cause him to stop accepting us. His love and grace and forgiveness, they actually precede our confession. They're not they're not waiting for our confession. They don't come after. He's already promised. If you come clean with me, you're good. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to wash you and cleanse you. Grace is just waiting for us to take a hold of it. Through confession. John puts it this way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when we confess our sins, God patches our sails so we can catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. When we confess our sins, God thins out the blood clot so that the lifeblood of the spirit can freely move in our spirit. When we confess our sins, God unclogs our ears, pencils and all, so that we can hear his words of love and guidance. When I went on the silent retreat last month, I went thinking, you know, me and God are going to have a good talk about ministry and storyline. We're going to talk shop. I'm going to look back on the last five years. We'll think about maybe in the next five years if we make good progress. And I got there and I wanted to talk shop with the Lord and the Lord wanted to talk about me. Go figure, right? Uh, Out of the box from day one, God gently confronted me with my attachments, my sin, my hypocrisy. And I knew I needed to address it, but it's always the kind of thing that it's easy to put on the back burner because it's some of this is habitual patterns that I've been working on for 10 or 15 years now. Man, I'm an old man. But I heard the voice of God through my spiritual director, Father Kelly, there at this retreat site, who said nothing is more important than recovering and healing from your sin. Maybe you're like me. You're tempted to think, well, it's going to be there next week. It'll probably be there next month. You know, I'll give it some time. Let me encourage you. You're going to have an opportunity in different ways to kind of come clean with God. Um, I want to encourage you to to do that in some form or fashion. Um, You won't regret kind of receiving the grace and forgiveness of God for whatever it is that you might be carrying in that Walter White side of your heart. So in the time that follows, you'll have the opportunity to come clean in one or all of these three ways. The first is confession. If you'd like to get something off your chest and receive grace and prayer, Dasha and I are going to be hanging out in the back. We can even go into the foyer if you wanted to, um, to pray for you. You can come see us at any time if you like. We won't be mad if you don't. We can still be friends. That'll be fine. 
Second is communion. In communion, we have this visible reminder of what happens. And communion is right back over here. This visible reminder of what happens at the cross and in the resurrection where we receive grace and forgiveness through the body and blood of Jesus, which are symbolized by bread and by wine. So uh, everyone is welcome to participate. And then the third is cleansing. Over here on my left, we have this basin of water where you can go and dip your hands in the water and put it on your face and just have a tangible, uh, you know, what tactile kind of experience of the grace and cleansing of God. And there's a towel, too, so you don't have to, like, wipe it on your shirt and stuff. Um, everyone's welcome. If you want to participate in one of these or two of these or all of these, you can you can participate in as many or as few as you want. We're going to kind of have a segment where we sing and worship and pray together. So just feel free at any time to engage these stations or um, confession. And I just wanted to tell you um, this week I purchased a sticker and it's not like a sticker for a fish or anything, but it's a cool, ancient Cairo symbol of the Christian faith. And I'm going to put that thing on my car so you can look forward to me driving more like a Christian now that I have an accountability mechanism um, to help me with that. And also pray that I actually will do that and not offend people in Jesus name.